0: on New Orleans right is is that Astros country down there
1: uh yes and no I guess it's not a huge MLB area right. I feel like I knew a couple Astros fans I knew more Braves fans and Cubs <laughs> fans to be honest just because they were on national yeah that makes uh, sense. TV but my dad has been an Astros fan for a long time and Growing up in the late 90s was a fun time, aside from them uh, failing miserably every year in the playoffs. It was a fun yeah. time uh, to watch them.
0: Familiar with that feeling, yeah.
1: sure. Yeah, of course. Um, oh, here's a, this is just a random question I've never asked.
0: Did you guys not like us when we were in the same division? Uh, not to that extent, no. Um, there were a couple years, I think 98 uh, especially, Mm-hmm, sure. sure, you guys got Randy Johnson. Sure, ninety eight was like the one year where the Cubs had a legit shot at actually making the playoffs mm-hmm. for the entire season. And I remember that year for the first couple months, it was like, oh man, they could even like take the division if things break right. Sure. And then, uh, at the trade deadline, the Astros. I remember you guys got famously Randy Johnson, who mm-hmm. was like. Ten and one for the rest of the season, Mm -hmm. and the clubs responded. And this is hundred percent true. Their big moves in the deadline were to pick up Felix Heredia and Matt Karchner. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. uh, We we didn't like the fact that uh, you guys passed us by so quickly, but it was much more of an internalized hatred for. Yeah, really. That's your response there. Sure. Yeah. No, I just I remember
1: I went to. I saw Game Seven of the Cubs-Indian series at a Cubs bar uh, mm-hmm. with some friends in LA, and a guy I never met just immediately started giving me shit for the Kerry Wood game. Oh yeah! And I remember thinking, I'm mean, huge, just nervous. It was a nerve wracking <laughs> day, uh-huh. but thinking, man, it's tough if as a Cubs fan, if that's what you have is the Kerry Wood game, that's yeah. tough.
0: Yeah. Oh, and believe me, for about 10, 15 years, that was uh, sure, eight, sure, '89. Uh, until 2003, like, yeah, Yeah. 98 and the Kerry wood game were everything. I think he probably gave you shit because that is our one point of reference with the Astros. Sure. No, that's fair. It was either, uh, if he was of a certain age, like my age, he might remember there was in 89, the game where the Astros jumped out to a nine, nothing lead by the fifth inning. And then, uh, the 89 Cubs who were just a wonderfully entertaining division winning team, uh, kind of gradually, uh, mm-hmm. Chipped away at it until they tied it in the eighth, and then won it ten to nine in the 10th. Oh, it's kind of that year's symbolic victory. But yeah, right. other than that, there's no real gen- animosity, as far as I know, toward Houston as a yeah. fan. Certainly. So. Yeah, I didn't think so. I was just yeah. kidding. All right, so yeah, let's do the propers here since we've been talking for about three minutes at this point. Uh, sure. This is uh, the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Network. Thank you for joining me again on my uh, third episode, and we're. This uh, figuring out what the hell we're doing podcast going along here. Uh, My name is Ken Schultz. I uh, am a contributor for Outsports, Baseball Prospectus, and Cubs Den, as well as occasional still stand-up comedian by the strictest possible definition of the word. Uh, Joining me this week is a uh, New York comedy friend of mine, Zach Sims, a longtime Houston Astros fan. Uh, Zach recently was on on the road with Gabe, Dan, and Zach Tour covering the greater Northeast. And uh, Zach, I guess we're going to start. The first question I have in mind is, do you need a hug? Uh,
1: No, you know, 2017 was not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah, It's how I feel in general. And honestly, I will say, well, multiple things. Uh, What I told my brother, who's also a big Astros fan after game two, and I told him after game seven was, just thank God it wasn't the Dodgers. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel. Really? Oh, yeah. I would love to. I'm happy to die never losing to the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, Is that a
0: thing with, with you? Is that because they're kind of the two superpowers of the game right now?
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think the the Nationals, to me at least, are a much more likable team. Absolutely. Uh, than the Dodgers, I have no. You know, the the Nationals are very high on my. I have 30 minutes to kill. Let's see who's (laughs) on NLB TV Uh Uh, rankings, you know? Um, And I just, you know, I just, the Dodgers series was so great and 17 was so great. I'm happy to not, to just have that moment and not have them get back at us. Mm -hmm. Um, But sure, it would have been, oh, would I have loved for them to have won the World Series this year? Absolutely, that would have been great. Yeah. Um, But I have a hard time uh, getting too upset
0: Partially because I also stopped watching after the eighth innings. So that's my <laughs> yeah, plan, um, I think, over, overall at that point. Did mm-hmm. you, there was no shot uh, – did they go – up? was it uh, four to two after eight? Four to two after eight. I would have watched the bottom of
1: the ninth if the Nationals hadn't scored two more. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was kind of – honestly, my plan at Game 7 in 2017 was that if they had kind of – if they would gotten out of the way, I was just going to stop watching because mm-hmm. they – you know, when you get that far enough World Series, you've had enough great moments as a fan that I don't really need to see them uh,
0: lose now. If that yeah. you, yeah. You've invested so much like and love in this team. Uh, it's for
1: still goddamn uh, long, the playoffs. My yeah. God.
0: Yeah. <laughs> for the better part of six months, you, you don't want to see, like, their their ultimate moment of hurt and defeat. And I, I definitely get that. that yes. uh, yeah, it's uh, – when – The Cubs have gone down in the playoffs, which is every year but one that they've been in it uh, in my lifetime. Sure. Uh, For the most part, yeah, I think I punished myself by watching to the end. Uh, I guess for me, it was more a sense of that this is the last few innings I'm going to get with these guys for the most part. So might as well go down with them and and then kind of try to get through the hates as quickly as possible so we can get back to remembering all the fun that led up to this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought up 2017 so quickly because one of the questions that I was curious about uh, from your standpoint, one of the things that I've talked about as that it really changed for me as a fan since 2016 with the Cubs is that when they have years that uh, end poorly as everyone has since then, um, it's, it's still, you know, not a good feeling. I'm still sad. I'm still angry occasionally, but I don't find that my life is crushed to the same extent that it was beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really is the gift of like that uh, significant a championship that keeps giving you is that you, you, you can always go back in your mind and think, well, at least I was there for when that happened when the history making one happened. And I'm sure with the Astros, with the first championship in their history, that is, is that something that you feel as well in terms of 2017?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, YouTube is a beautiful thing.
0: Yep. Thank uh, God.
1: Yeah. I can watch Game 5 2017 highlights, you know, mm-hmm. until the day I die. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, <clears> there <throat> was their first ever title. They beat the Red Sox. They beat the Yankees. They beat the Dodgers. I mean, you're not going to get much better than that. Yeah, yeah. The, the run goes. And also, you know, my other sports love are the Saints. And mm-hmm. the Saints taught me to really appreciate getting one title.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know. Yeah, the Saints and a combination of the NFL officiating crews, apparently. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well,
1: that's true, too. This is, you know, probably the third most devastating playoff loss I've seen in the past <laughs> uh, three years. So, yeah, you're going to get in line. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, talk to me in three years. I might feel differently. But right now, yeah. I'm very excited to get to, I get to watch Zach grinky again. You know, the offense is pretty much all coming back. I like Justin Verlander,
0: all those things. So I look forward to the future. Chances are going to be quite good for still quite a long time, even without Garrett Cole, I think. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Uh, Yeah, as long as Verlander and Granke both keep finding ways to keep holding off the decline phase as long as they can. And at this point, honestly, given the Astros pitching infrastructure that's behind them, yeah, I kind of trust that they will for at least another year or two, because Not just two of the most physically talented pitchers in the game, but two of the damn smartest. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Cole Moore. But they, I I, I think it's silly to imagine that they won't make a move even if they don't sign Cole. They've kind of done that every year. Right. So I imagine that money will be
0: allocated uh, in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Green spends on that team. Like, they they talk about sustainability and efficiency, but they do keep, you know, a, a good size payroll, as far as I know.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they, you know,
0: there's plenty of things to dislike
1: about their front office. But they <laughs> do, uh, see, you know, Jim Crane seems to actually like baseball and like the idea of winning and all yeah. this. So and I am hopeful.
0: Yeah. yeah, that above all else is what you want in is Yeah, just have winning as your goal, kind of. Sure. Be nice. Try Try not to be Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, tough uh, playoffs for Pittsburgh, I feel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess uh, jumping off that, that topic for a second, uh, do you kind of wish wa- watching the Astros run through the playoffs at this point, like you could just make the entire front office go away when they celebrate and just <laughs> try, try to focus on all the guys who are actually on the field with the exception of one?
1: Uh, sure. I mean, as, uh, Astros fan, I don't really pay attention to what the front off, you know, to, to the white guys in suits dancing around <laughs> anyway.
0: Um, as a human being, you shouldn't pay attention to white guys in suits. I think just as a general rule. Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things I love about that team is there's a pretty good diversity to it and there. Mm-hmm. They, you know, aside from one guy, they, they seem to be having a good time and are yeah. pretty good dudes. Um, but yeah, sure. I don't really need to see, uh, Jeff Lunau. Uh, yeah. You know, walking around, he can stay in the box. You know, <laughs> he doesn't need champagne. They probably don't need to be drunk in the clubhouse. I think mm-hmm. we have learned. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, things tend to go pretty far south when that happens. That, mm-hmm. um, yeah, J- Jeff Luna, that that's a good solution. That's it's the uh, Cool Hand Luke solution for the Houston Astros general manager. Just anybody caught yelling at female reporters spends a night in the box. Sure, and sure. It's a reference from I think 1967, which is about as modern as you're going to get on this podcast. So.
1: I think for a baseball podcast, that's probably pretty good. I, I <laughs> to, yeah, to make- you're grabbing the fan base. I, you know, I'm not shocked. Shocked, I mean, it's awful, of course, but the fact that most of these front offices are run by guys who, like, come from worlds that are just as misogynistic as baseball, yeah. it's not, like, super surprising that stuff like that happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I was kind of looking up a uh, little bit of research on that subject, and it to mm. me, it, it's kind of a combination of the rampant misogyny that runs through baseball pretty much from its very starts when Mm -hmm. you have, you know, instances from the not too distant past, like, uh, Jack Morris telling female reporters the only time he wants to talk to, to a woman is either when he's naked on top of her or she's naked on top of him. which is, <laughs>
1: hey, I didn't know that one, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that's kind of a Jack Morris being a prick quote from like the prime of his career. And uh, he made the Hall of Fame last year. So sure. uh, yeah. that, that's yes, baseball. That's, that's how they reward that. So it's a combination of that. And also, I think, kind of tech bro culture that's that dominates the sports now. And it's, it's, it's both kind of stews of toxic masculinity meeting in the middle of a Venn diagram to mix all the metaphors for this. Mm-hmm. And it, it just came out at uh, the ugliest possible time. Uh, and, yeah, sure. And then yep. you have you know a, a front office that is celebrated throughout the game for its on-field accomplishments and is told that it can do no wrong by all of baseball press and MLB network. And so they figure it at least somewhat, this is my theory, that they figure that they can uh, transfer that we can do no wrong attitude to damage control in the wake of the Brandon Taubman incident. And that's kind of that awful week of horseshit PR that, uh, sure. first of all, that uh, oh, it's it's not, a, <laughs> that story is inaccurate. And she would yeah. retract it to, well, okay, other people saw it. So we apologize that he said fuck to okay, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, we're sorry. And I should say sorry to this person, but I've never met her, even though she's in the room in front of me, too. OK, holy shit. We're sorry. We fucked up <laughs> one week later. Uh, and- yeah,
1: totally. No, it's uh, it's amazing that an organization that's like at least a claim for being on the cutting edge of so many kind of technological things and stuff couldn't have a decent like PR person. Yeah. Audience, or, or just yeah. like a young person to tell them what to
0: do in that scenario can't possibly take a huge part of the budget to hire someone who just tells you, just, just, just say you're sorry. It's, it's yes. the old, uh, another 60s movie reference. It's the old producers, uh, zero mustel line. Oops. You mean, oops, don't you just say oops and get out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we'll get to the seventies with references soon. You know, <laughs> but
1: yeah. Only time will tell. Stuff coming I, uh, on. Yeah. I think um, also I would say they have definitely used, you know, I do think that they seem to have a pretty good clubhouse, and they all seem to get along oh, well. Yeah. The but they do use the phrase "culture" a little more than I would like, mm-hmm. uh, and they uh, definitely—oh, god, what was I going to say? I don't know. They—they they definitely seem to. Well, oh, this is what I was going to say. They even when they were losing all the time, people thought Loon Loonhow was an asshole. I remember kind of before they were successful. He was more of a laughingstock because he's yeah. like kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they just won, and that kind of went away. And then it kind of came back with you know, the Osuna trade. And, you know, it kind of just goes back and forth. That's but I'm true. not super shocked that he has handled everything badly in that and way.
0: And yeah. that's interesting. So in the middle of all the 100 boss seasons, was, there, was that a sense of, like, he's proclaiming he's the smartest guy in the room and he knows we're going to get through it and really, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I won't pretend like I was watching a lot of those 100 loss seasons, but from my just being a sports fan and following baseball and paying attention when the Astros come up, I just remember there being basically that attitude occasionally that he was even doing worse than the organization was before, basically. My chair is breaking. Let's see if I can fix it. Oh, it's fine. We'll figure it out.
0: It's an old chair. Chair is metaphor for the Houston bullpen. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, there yeah. you go uh and and even in spite of, of all of this uh awfulness it it's it's something that i had to kind of remind myself watching every world series game is with the exception of course of Roberto Ozuna, mm-hmm. uh, the Houston Astros as a roster are still a fun like, oh. enjoyable bunch between Bregman and Altuve and Springer uh and Verlander Granke. i mean some of my favorite players in the game to watch still and uh, even though they kind of became, if they had their heel turn moment as an organization, when they actually played the games, it was a reminder of, oh, yeah, most of these guys, if they won again, I'd have no problem with it.
1: Oh, yeah. it's uh, This was definitely being a Southern sports fan. The first time a team I rooted for was not like the underdog that mm. uh, everybody liked. And for the on-the-field stuff, I embrace that. It's fun to have a team that's as good yeah. that people uh, have an issue with. But obviously, the off the field's a little different. But it was definitely the first time, I mean, any casual baseball fan is going to root for Washington in that scenario, which I, you know, I respect. Uh, But yeah, they have a, I think they have a diversity of, people and fun attitudes and person. You know, Bregman obviously is pretty arrogant. Mm -hmm. Correa, I think, just wants to be Alex Rodriguez so bad. And I support him on that journey. Uh, Brantley's very cool. Springer's got all that energy. Jordan's just kind of a quiet assassin. Although it's been showing his personality a little more. Yeah. He's gone on. Um, I had no idea Verlander was such a red ass, but Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy it on my team, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I have. Uh, I have. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. yeah. As a starting pitcher to have a career that long and that good, I think you have to have a bit of the John Lackey inside of you that comes out at some points that even though Ferlander seems also very cerebral. But mm-hmm. I think it's a sense of yeah, when he gets on that field, something clicks in that that turns that that kind of whatever rage or anger is fueling that mode on. And, yeah, you see that for sure. six, seven innings. And then sometimes when a Detroit reporter happens to wander into the clubhouse, you see it after the game too. Sure. Yeah. They
1: didn't learn from that one either. I didn't really know what was going on there, but that yeah. was like another miscue.
0: Yeah. Um, that's uh, sounds like some long history between those two. Yeah. That, uh, sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I guess covering the last couple games of the series since uh, my last podcast came out after game five, um, I guess we'll start with this. Um yeah the, the most obvious question to start with, uh, would you have had Garrett Cole relieve Zach rankie in game seven?
1: I mean, honestly, I, I, when they brought Harrison, I said, yeah, that makes sense. He's been, you know, really good all year. I know he gave up the home run in the previous game. It was like the first runs he had given up. I mean, in hindsight, I think maybe, you know, Grinke's pinch count, pitch count was pretty good. Maybe you try to get him to get you out of that inning. Um, but I – and say I love Garrett Cole, but I – the man's never come out of the bullpen in his life. So I'm not going to just say, oh, he would have thrown three scoreless innings if he came in there. You know, I just don't know if that's the case. And then it gets out of hand, you know, when they give up the lead. And A.J. might have lost his mind a little bit there. But I, I have a hard time – like when you told me what we talked about, what we were going to talk about, and you said the bullpen, that was like the first time I was like, oh, I guess maybe they didn't handle – the bullpen that well but it wasn't to me they just got beat I didn't really think of it uh that deeply. yeah but that might be the shock too from my perspective.
0: yeah yeah and and that's also I mean that's what the Nationals did this entire postseason oh like, yeah trail late and then all of a sudden oh we need to rally off Hader or Kershaw oh sure yeah here it comes so you yeah. know I, I
1: honestly
0: Thought that I, during game
1: three, I texted my brother that this was the first time I had seen an opposing manager make bullpen decisions that I agreed with, mm-hmm. and I think that like they did like when we were winning, and I think we're up by like three in game three, and they went to Joe Ross instead of one of their big arms, mm-hmm. and in seventeen and against the Yankees, they just kept using their big guys even when they didn't need to, and I think that hurt them. Yeah. I just think that they was the first time I felt I don't want to say they got outmanaged because I just think they just got beat. But it was the first time that I didn't see, like, glaring, in my opinion, at least managerial mistakes from the other side. Interesting. Yeah. uh, They were able to take advantage of.
0: Yeah. And that's that's a manager and Dave Martinez, who everybody in baseball thought uh, was going to be fired at the end of May. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure. Yeah. That's talk about a comeback uh, from points to being the one manager you, you faced who you think. Might have outmanaged your guy, who is one of the better guys in the game, too, AJ Hinch. Uh, and the thing about the way that he handled the bullpen for me, I think, is kind of twofold in terms of what you mentioned about lifting Granky after uh, 81 or 82 pitches. I think part of that, uh, there's been ever since the 2003 Red Sox, this kind of greedy little syndrome in the game where the one thing managers are worried about most is being the next guy who leaves in their version of Pedro in for too long. Uh, that they, everybody in baseball seat thinks of it as such a bullpen dominant game that, uh, I think every manager wants to be seen as proactive and at least trying to make moves in the wake of impending chaos so that they can say, well, at least, you know, I was trying to do something to hold this off and not just sticking with my guy for too long, even though Zach Greinke was goddamn Greg Maddox at that. Oh yeah.
1: He was incredible. Yeah. It was so, I was so happy for him. He, He had such a good game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and Greinke is, is one of those pitchers who I think most people, unless you're a super baseball fan, don't know that he is going to be a first ballot hall of famer yeah. when he becomes eligible. Like when you stop at his baseball reference page, you just take a quick look at the numbers and go, Oh, geez, this is obvious. He's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was going to be like the game that symbolized for everybody, his entire career that when he was needed most, he stepped up at an advanced age in the biggest way possible. And there was no hitting him until Anthony Rendon hit the home run uh, in the seventh, which was still only, like, a 350-footer. Uh, and I think got pointed out yesterday, like, if, if you were even at Wrigley Field, that might have scraped the fence. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, at least yeah. A Crawford box special. Sure, sure. That gives and takes away. Right, right. That uh, the Soto,
1: in the Soto walk to me was just, you know, you're not going to pitch. Soto's the most terrifying, you know, yeah. guy in that team to me. You're, it makes right. sense to walk him. Yeah, I've exactly. watched like maybe two of his at-bats
0: the entire World Series because he just uh, stresses me out so much. Oh, yeah. understand yeah. he's mm-hmm. one of, already one of the best players in the game at age 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially in that at-bat, after – an ump- after Jim Wolfe, the plate umpire, blatantly missed a strike two. Oh, sure, yeah, oh, no. and yeah, I yeah. Think At that point, Granke thought, well, if you're not giving me that, I'm just going to put him on because if I have to get any closer to the strike zone against this guy, real bad stuff could happen. I saw what happened to my pal Clayton Kershaw. <laughs>
1: sure. No, I, and I, you know, I had no doubt that Will Harris was going to get him out of that inning. So yeah. It obviously didn't work out that way. Yeah. But, uh,
0: I totally understand that. And, and Harris... And this is, this is what I wanted to get into in terms of Hinch's bullpen use, mm-hmm. uh, because he does have uh, the Astros bullpen for the most part during this postseason was at best iffy, with the exception of Harris and uh, in certain games Osuna. And those were the two guys Hinch trusted. And because he trusted two guys to that extent, uh, he didn't manage the same way he did in 2017 when the Astros won the world championship. And I think that's kind of what the Garrett Cole situation to me boils down to is that he kind of went against what won him the title in 2017, where because that bullpen was just a toxic fire, yeah. uh, he decided, I'm just going to go with all the starters that I can trust. And uh, I spent last night kind of going through box scores from 2017, just looked look this up. Uh, so bear with me as, uh, for 30 seconds of data here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Peacock uh, made 24 starts in 2017. Uh, had the 3.2 innings pitched in Game 3 in, in relief of McCullers Jr., closed out that game, and another 1.1 one in, .1 in Game 5. Uh, Colin McHugh, same deal, two innings pitched in Game 5. Joe Musgrove, uh, who had 15 starts in the year, pitched in just about every game of that World Series. And famously, Charlie Morton was the guy that A.J. Hinch said, hey, come on in in the sixth and then just finish this damn game out in Game 7. And to me, that is actually being kind of, is especially if you don't have a deep bullpen uh, over the past three years, we've seen between the 2017 Astros, the Red Sox of last year, and then the nationals this year, kind of by necessity, they've used a bunch of their starters coming out in high leverage spots between the Red Sox using price and sale last year. uh, And then the nationals using Patrick Corbin as that guy. And I think that, seemed kind of the way that baseball is most effective in the postseason right now, because with those starting pitchers, those guys tend to be your best arms unless you've got a super bullpen. And, uh, and to me, Hinch was managing against that and it took just two guys to get him to, to kind of drop that as a philosophy. And I kind of thought that that's, that kind of pervaded his mind to the point where he held Cole back, almost too long in that, in that game for me, that, that he said afterwards he was going to use him if he had to, if he had to close the ninth, he wanted him to be Chris Sale from 25th or 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I understand that to a certain extent, but that's also, you're running the risk that you turn Garrett Cole into that year's version of, um, uh, Craig Kimbrell, you know, warming up in the bullpen and never coming in. And that, that proved to be the case, uh. And so to, I guess to me, that's that's Hinch going against what's most effective in that situation. That, that even if the Nationals end up rallying again, I still kind of want to see them rally against the very best that I've got. And Cole is the very best in that entire league.
1: Sure. Uh, I have multiple
0: thoughts. Yes, please do. Uh, I, I just spewed about <laughs> two minutes. of. <laughs> so no, that,
1: that all makes sense. Um, I definitely thought even as it was happening that. Corbin was Charlie Mortoning, uh, you know, the Astros during that game. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that hurt them this year was, you know, Peacock was hurt for a lot of the season. He didn't mm-hmm. really have the ability to do what he did. That year, McHugh was hurt for a lot of the season. I think they wanted Aaron Sanchez at one time to kind yeah. of fill that role. Um, and I don't know if that would happen, but he also got hurt. Um, Wade Miley had a great year and then his arm just kind of fell off in September. Mm -hmm. So I think they had fewer options to do that. It's hard to complain about a team that had three, you know, two surefire hall famers and one young guy. But I do think the thing that terrified me the most about Washington going in was that they could match us with starting pitching depth. That was kind of the, that was kind of our advantage over every team was that we could just go deeper Mm -hmm. and kind of save their bullpen. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, and I hear what you're saying with the bringing Cole in. I just, it's hard for me to feel like anything would have really changed. It's almost like, I don't know. It's like in game, I keep going back to 2017 because what a glorious time that was for us. But in game seven, you know, you start Darvish instead of Kershaw and some people say they should have started Kershaw. Well, Kershaw was really bad in game five and there's, you know, you can't, you don't really know what's going to happen in those scenarios. Um, But I definitely think uh, that Washington was able to achieve a lot of the things that we were able to achieve in 2017. And that, you know, helped lead them to that victory. Yeah. Um, But I want, you know, if poor, I love Wade Miley, if poor Wade, you know, he's from Louisiana. He's a little hillbilly guy. If he could have, uh, gotten that if he his arm could have stayed on his his body uh mm-hmm. through the season that might have helped them a little bit
0: uh yeah and, and i i know the general wade miley story when did it start going south for him because uh, he was good for at least the first oh, half, right he was yeah he was Keiko. i mean he was uh,
1: you know mm-hmm. else Keiko level i oh i almost forgot urkidi who i am very excited yeah. to see the future of Urquidy. He he uh Look quite good for most
0: yeah. of the season. Yeah, and um, he was the only guy that Hinch wanted to be that that starter out of the bullpen. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he got, I think, the eighth inning in game seven. And at that point, uh, as you've been saying, it was the Nationals were just kind of feeling it against everybody.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to blame him for that. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. I kind of thought that that would be a, a more of a in situation potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Wade just started just having like five to seven run first innings. in <laughs> And that's not great. I mean, that's literally just what happened. And yeah. then he, uh, and then he was on the division series roster, and I think pitched an inning in the blowout loss in Game Three. And then that's kind of it. I don't think he was on the roster the, the next two years.
0: Yeah, that five um, to seven on first innings probably not what you want coming out of the bullpen. That uh, no, it's
1: suboptimal.
0: Yeah, yeah, numbers that prove me otherwise. Maybe Houston has some higher form formula they're using, but uh, yeah, sure. it seems that that is not not a good idea. Uh, so, uh, I guess one of the other things I kind of wanted to touch on briefly, uh, that, uh, there's been so much talk in terms of Alex Bregman's performance in the world series, in terms of it being, you know, he, his numbers at the end for the most part are not good. Mm Uh, and the one lasting image is going to be of him handing the the, dropping the bat at first base and the rest of baseball exploding for no good reason at all. Uh, but I kind of wanted to, to, kind of celebrate a little bit about him because in a world series where he hit 207 with a 258 on base percentage, you can argue that he still had an outsized positive impact in at least two games between uh, obviously the grand slam in game four. And then what could have been, you know, a series clinching home run in game six, he still had the three home runs, eight RBI. And I think that kind of is something of an odd tribute to just what a great player he is, that even at his slumpiest, he could still have had a huge hand in a potential Houston world series win.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he also just gets on base so much, even when he's not hitting, you know, he's kind of a walk machine. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I love me some Alex Bergman, you know, there's a, when I talk to when you talk to Astros fans, I think you, the question is always, who's your favorite non Altuve player? Mm-hmm. Um, and he and Alex is tied for second with about four <laughs> guys for me. Um, but uh, yeah, he's incredible. I appreciate I thought it was funny that he apologized. But also, yeah. I guess it was nice that an Astro guy apologized quickly. For <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, I, I also growing up. An Astro fan, I'm pretty used to my favorite players not performing in the playoffs. Right. So I didn't really even notice that that much. I think Correa kind of had a somewhat similar postseason where he got some really big hits. But aside from that, not too much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's I'm sure probably going to be second place in MVP voting. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is a whole nother conversation there. But he, you know, he's a delightful player I look forward to watching for many yeah.
0: And and he, he and Altuve, that's, that's a a fun comp because they really are kind of a yin and yang. And I think they kind of each other's positive quality is kind of emphasized in comparison to the other, the other star in terms of, you know, Bregman's flash and how much he enjoys having people look at him and, and just how outwardly fun he is. And Altuve, it, 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 kind of, it, the, the comparative modesty of Altuve to that is also, it, it makes that, uh, that contrast, uh, It's almost like that they've got their own like Farley and Spade thing going on together. Mm -hmm. That uh, that one kind of makes the other that much more enjoyable to watch.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, they—you know—Altuve wouldn't let
0: him rip his uh,
1: shirt off after the uh, the Yankee walk off. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The modest Matambo finger wag, which. Mm -hmm. And he's got
1: a great body too. I mean.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's very built. At Outsports, we support Jose Altuve's
1: body completely. <laughs> you should, you should. The guns <laughs> on that guy. It's uh, amazing that uh, this is not really even related. But I always uh, like Bregman hit 40 home runs this year, but they were mostly wall scrapers. I mm-hmm. think one on the tracks, which was very exciting. But Altuve, it's amazing just how that guy really can get into a ball. it's yeah. uh, the walk off off Chapman was oh a,
0: yeah, bomb. Uh, Oh,
1: yeah. He said, I mean, he sent several. It's one of the nice things about the Crawford boxes is it's not that hard to hit it onto the railroad tracks mm -hmm. because not that deep. Uh, And he said a few up there. But, yeah, he uh, you know, the guy has such a joy, I would say, that comes out of him. It's hard not to love basically everything Altuve does. Um, (laughs) And Bregman. Yeah, Bregman's certainly, you know, he is the ultimate. uh, You love him when he's on your team. And I imagine you
0: probably don't like him as much when he's. When he's facing you, mm-hmm. um, like when he's playing the Cubs, sure. But I think if they're playing anybody but the Cubs, sure, bring it, Alex. Baseball yeah, the absolutely,
1: absolutely. And I, uh, you know, I look for, I follow him on Instagram. I look forward to the future of of his social media presence. Yeah.
0: And you know, Alex yeah. occasionally calls out MAGA dipshits too. So oh,
1: I didn't know that. Well, good for him. Yeah. He does seem like a decent guy. Yeah, the rich kid
0: guys. yeah. yeah. He, is, he seems to be on the right side of most things, which which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I guess last transition then on to our last topic here. And, and uh you kind of made reference to it in just talking about Bregman. Um, I kind of my curiosity in terms of like the last group of uh, Houston teams that made the playoffs every year that were obviously much more frustrating than this, this one that you've talked mm-hmm. about. Uh, and obviously the big the big stars of that group, uh, Jeff Bagwell and Craig Biggio. And I want to know, uh, do Houston fans kind of view them similar to the way that uh, Cub fans like myself view that big group that, I mean, that generation group between Ernie Banks, Ryan Sandberg, Billy Williams, Andre Dawson, Ron Santo, Fergie Jenkins, the list goes on of just (laughs) these players that kind of defined what rooting for baseball teams meant for generations, but also there's like that tinge of regrets that is associated with every one of them because those guys never even made a world series, let alone never won one. Uh, and our Bagwell and Biggio is, is, that kind of a similar where we celebrate everything they did on the field, but there's also kind of a little bit of sadness that goes along with the celebration with those two.
1: <clears throat> um, I would think so. I mean, in some ways I would say I would probably have to be older and have ever lived in Houston in my life to really answer that question. That makes sense. Um, but I, uh, I, I obviously, I mean, I think the 2017 title kind of healed a lot of wounds, but I definitely will say that, uh, the debate is nowadays is, is, um, basically Altuve, the best Astro ever. And you'll Mm -hmm. see.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of, understandably a lot of still a lot of love for Biggio and Bagwell. I have a lot of love for Biggio and Bagwell. Mm Um, I, I would say, you know, Jeff Bagwell, sits in the booth once a month uh, and it's great. It's like having your dad up there. It's a, it's a phenomenal experience. Um, I think it's mostly love at this point. Obviously we were devastated by those losses, but um, I honestly think, and maybe the proximity they have in the fact they're still around the team uh, and they got rings, you mm-hmm. know, uh, allow us to not be that wistful, but older, honestly, older fans
0: might, Disagree with me. I, I don't really know. Interesting. Yeah. Because uh, when the Cubs won in 2016, like one of the memories I have that is seared in my, m- my mind of that night uh, is kind of late in the night uh, as the celebration just kind of kept going on. I watched in the background, I saw Ryan Sandberg walking around with a World Series champion t shirt and a World mm-hmm. Series champion hat and just a bottle of champagne in his hand. And that was the third time that I broke down crying that night. Uh,
1: uh,
0: sure. Like that, but I'd never imagined that I'd ever get a chance to see my favorite player of all time wearing a world champion shirt like that. And, and uh, I think that for the guys who were still alive, uh, like Sandberg and Billy Williams and Fergie and Andre, uh, there was such a sense of catharsis too, that they got to celebrate. And there was also a real pang of regret for, Cub fans of my dad's generation, because Ernie Banks and Ron Santo had both passed away at that point, and there there was almost like the first thing that came to mind for them was, man, I wish they could be here to see this because the just just to imagine Ernie finally kind of getting to the promised land that that he kept promising year after year. With, I mean, one of his things was uh, he'd go into every season to come up with the dumbest rhyme rhyme slogan. The Cubs will be, Cubs will be fine in 1969. That was his. <laughs> thing. sure. Uh, and for most of his career, the response was, "Yeah, sure, Ernie." Yeah. <laughs> so to have it, to have it that that uh, that chance for him to see that uh, would have been, you know, the very best thing uh, uh, to go along with all that. But uh, yeah, so. I think that is uh, about it for this episode. That uh, thank you for joining me, Zach. I appreciate you coming at a difficult time. But, uh, yeah. but you're taking you're honestly taking the loss better than I'm pretty sure the Houston Astros front office is, and I think that's a good thing. So
1: sure. Well, I yeah, I uh, there's really no re- you know next year will be fun. I get to watch these guys for more times. Yeah, and I think maybe we re- we re sign Springer this year. We'll see.
0: I, I think they should, especially given yeah. how he performs every October. Like that mm-hmm. would be a good idea. Uh, but again, uh, it's been a pleasure talking baseball with you. Anything you'd like to plug before we say good- goodbye? Oh, uh,
1: sure. I'm going to be, or on my uh, social media is also Zach Sims on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, when does this come out?
0: Uh, I think it might be dropping this afternoon. Like we're trying to get this out as a World Series special. So um, you are special, love- Zach Sims, is what I'm saying.
1: I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of uh, Brooklyn stand-up comedy fans who who listen to this. <laughs> uh, I'll be at uh, Union Hall on Monday at 10 with uh, Alice Wetterland, part of the New York Comedy
0: Festival. So come to that. That's great. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure talking baseball with you, Zach. Absolutely, Ken. Thank you. All right.